You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. It is an honor to spend a few moments with you. So thank you for watching. We are on lesson number two of a series entitled The Power of a Parent's Blessing. Uh, I'm relying on the work, drawing heavily from the work of Craig Hill, and he is a founder of a nonprofit entitled Family Foundations, and uh, he has written several books about this subject. There is within all of us a desire to know who we are and to know where we are going. Uh, we usually think of questions like this in a type of philosophical way, but the truth is, as soon as we are aware of ourself, we're trying to answer this question. It's just we do not know how to put it into words. Um, we, we feel it much earlier than we understand it. And probably for most people, we understand it earlier than we can put it into language. But all of us, from as young as uh, I would say the self begins to reflect inward, we, we, we want to know who we are, we want to know why we're here, we want to know where we are, where we are going. Uh, children very much need to know uh, where they fit. They need to know who they are. And their introduction to that, their, how that's answered with them is through a correct relationship with their parents. Uh, it is through your parents that, as even as a little person, you begin to have a sense of who you are. Uh, and if you're raised in a, a God-fearing home, with God-fearing parents, you begin to have a sense of destiny. Uh, you are not just connected in the here and now, but you're connected in the past, how we got here, and you're connected in the future, the promise of God's um, working out his destiny in our lives. I want to show you a story in uh, Genesis chapter number 27. There are two sons competing for blessing. Uh, you have heard them probably. You've heard of their names before. Uh, Esau and Jacob are the two sons of Isaac, and they have come to believe that there is one blessing. Uh, not a blessing for each of them, but one blessing. And this one blessing is something to be fought over. It's something to uh, risk everything over. It's something to lie about if necessary. Whatever it costs you, you should pursue this blessing, though it costs you everything. Uh, I have thought, taught, read, studied quite a lot about on this moment in time. And as near as I've been able to tell, there is nothing um, from God that there's no law of God, there's no sacred scripture anywhere that says there's only one blessing. Uh, that idea comes from the world around them. Um, that idea comes from the tribes around them. Nowhere that I'm aware of does God say there's only one blessing for the eldest born son. This is an idea from the world around them. But they have been raised to value God's blessing. They have watched their father abandon everything and go to an unknown land and wander in that land and uh, live life as a spiritual sojourner. Uh, they've, they watched that first through the stories uh, of their grandfather. And then they've watched their father, just for clarity, I should, should describe this. Um, uh, they've watched their father, Isaac, as he continued in this way, 
this inheritance from his father, Abraham, this seeking a city, this sojourning, uh, not, being, not being people of uh, buildings and walls, but being people who pers- pursue uh, this something, this city that God has built. That's where we want to live, and they seek it and they desire it. This has trickled down into uh, the minds and hearts of these two sons, uh, and they, they value blessing. Now, Jacob is much more of a spiritual young man if we understand the story correctly. Uh, Esau is much more a man of the field, kind of a man's man, hunting, fishing, fighting. You get the idea. Um, and uh, perhaps Jacob's more of the young man around his mother's uh, apron, so to speak. Uh, I don't know if these are cliches that uh, we take too far or if there's something there, but I do know Jacob conspires with his mother to trick Isaac, uh, uh, his father, to blessing him. Uh, He does this through subterfuge. He does this through lies, and he uh, successfully tricks his father. And the story is told that Esau comes, having done everything he thinks he's supposed to do. Um, He comes to his father to receive his blessing. And he finds out that his brother has already taken his blessing. And there's this this image in the scripture that's full of pathos and emotion. Uh, Genesis 27, verse number 38. And Esau says to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Is that all there is? Is there only one blessing, my father? The Bible tells in verse number 34 that Esau cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. Now, as a preacher, I've often preached the story and told of um, Esau trying to, as it were, bargain with his birthright, selling his birthright, taking it unseriously. I, I doubt if he really thought he was selling it. I thought that he didn't think it was available to his younger brother anyway because he was the eldest son. I think it was just, you know, brother to brother kind of sibling rivalry. Um, Jacob took it seriously. Uh, Esau didn't. And the story's included. It could have been forgotten, but the story's included to show us something in the heart of these two respective brothers. And Esau, now faced with the reality of what he's lost, notice the, the language. Uh, you know, the Bible doesn't, use uh, words to try to make everything amazing or awesome. It doesn't overstate things. It's very much understated. But in this situation, it shows us that Esau cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he says, Hast thou but one blessing, O Father? Uh, Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And the Bible says, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father at at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Um, This is, I think, uh, one of those stories from the patriarchs, the early stories, which um, there's deep spiritual insight, but it can be difficult for us to relate. We didn't grow up in this kind of environment. it can be difficult for us to uh, place ourselves in the story, so to speak, and learn from it. So we have to learn from the principles, the principles that are in it. And so if we take a principled approach, what you will see, first of all, is the deep sense of a blessing to be imparted from one generation to another. Uh, that, that should be deeply understood. 
Um, there is there is something to be given. Um, then you start getting into the competitiveness of uh, there's only one blessing. Now, that's not a biblical idea. That's very much from the tribes around. And we certainly don't want to raise children with the idea that they aren't blessed because their brother is. That's the wrong lesson to take. We want to raise children who are passionate about being blessed, uh, who seek spiritual uh, impartation, but they should not be given this sense that there's poverty in heaven and there's only so much blessing to give. And once God runs out, then that's all there's going to be. That is not a biblical idea. Um, I think the first two issues that are felt within a child's life, um, as I mentioned earlier, are the two questions, uh, who, I, who am I um, and why am I here? Questions of identity and questions of destiny. And if a child grows up without those two questions answered, they will come of age trying to answer these questions. They won't necessarily know what they're trying to do. Uh, they may be going about it in, in wrong manner. In fact, the more dysfunctional they are, the more distressed they are, the more bad decisions they make, there's probably a direct relationship uh, between their desire to figure out who they are, where they fit, what their life can be, what they were intended for, how do they get ahead, the more competitive their environment, uh, the less sure they are about their identity, and the more question they have about their future, their destiny, uh, the more vicious they will be simply feeling the weight of what it means to survive. Simply fill in the weight of what, is it, what does it mean to thrive. And when they are raised without confidence and security in identity, in confidence and security in uh, destiny, it creates insecure, dysfunctional, uh, vicious, competitive people. That's not what we want for people. That's not what we uh, want for our children. Um, and so God's... God's blessing to children first comes through parents. Uh, children come of age. Um, they have to decide for themselves. So we dedicate them for the Lord, to the Lord. But that's not a decision for them. They have to decide for themselves. So how do we, as Christian parents, how do we um, uh, bless them uh, when they haven't decided? Um, I, I very much see young people, and they're, they're trying to figure things out. I have been them. I've been there. You have too if you grew up in the church. Um, and I have, oftentimes, I have this um, difficult-to-describe affection for them. And sometimes I just want to sit down with them and say, look, I know you're trying to figure this out. You know your, your mom and dad are, you know, certain way. They have certain life. You just don't know what your path is going to be. And as parents, we wrestle with what do we do for children when we cannot decide for them. Don't rush past this. If you believe that you can manipulate your child into your decisions, uh, you are quite naive about human nature. If you believe you can threaten your child uh, into the life you want them to leave, to live, um, I, I want you to know you, your heart may be a little darker than it should be. You're supposed to be an agent of the love of Christ, and here you are uh, threatening and bribing your children to your decisions. Um, and, and, and finally, um, if you dominate your children into the life you want them to live, um, you will give them, you will, it's like a curse upon them. 
Um, that, let me tell you something that terrifies me as a parent. It, I know it terrifies you, but it's true. Our children have to choose to seek the ways of God. They have to choose his paths. Our children have to recognize there are other ways, but they say, no, that's not what I'm looking for. They have to choose this way. And if we, in, if we manipulate them into that choice, if by, by, you know, I don't want to get distracted on that right now. If we dominate them into this choice, we will have given them religion, but we will not have given them a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And religion fails. And religion is just as much a part of humanity as anything else in our story. We have to, in some way, we have to introduce them to the moment of choosing to live this kind of, this kind of a life. Um, religions die when kids are given religion without relationship. Um, real revivals end when kids grow up with this religious thing, but it's not a relationship with them. Um, and so we have to, as parents, figure out what we can do and what we can't do. And we need to, because, uh, let, me, let me explain that. If we try to do the things that can't be done, then we become part of the problem. And we raise kids who can't wait to get old enough to move out and do their own thing. We have to not be part of the problem by trying to dominate them. We have to give them grace. Now, as parents, we love giving them law. And we feel oftentimes most like God when we give law because oftentimes uh, we have this bookkeeping view of God. I want, you to, I want you to to put in your prayer. I put in my prayer. Lord, how do I introduce my kids without dominating them or manipulating them into it. Now, uh, okay, I know you've heard a lot of uh, preacherly tough guy talk. And not only that, you've heard a lot of parental tough guy talk. Well, it goes like this. Well, as long as you're in my house, you're going to go to church. You're going to be... And look, that's true of me in my house. Um, you come to my kids, they're going to go to church whether they like it or not. But there's a gentle way of doing that. And there's a way where you dominate them and you deny them their right to choose. You can do it gentle, or you can do it in a dominating manner. How do we raise children where they feel they were blessed by us? This is the issue. Uh, when you see, and this series that I'm doing is, is really about how a Hebrew father, uh, seven times in the life of a child, intentionally and um, I would say publicly, but I don't mean publicly in, in the sense of the whole neighborhood. I mean publicly in the sense of the family. They, they choose that child. They bless that child. They, they speak blessing and promise over that child. Um, and I think there is something oftentimes missed um, when we are not intentional about blessing our children. Um, often, oftentimes many of you weren't raised uh, with spiritual blessing in your life. And the result of that is it's difficult to know how to give something you have never received. So uh, before I get sidetracked into too many things, let me, let me establish, let me be organized. Let me establish the two things I'm talking about that are gifts from spiritual parents to children. And that is a clear sense of identity and a clear sense of destiny. All young people, all children want to know who they are in God and the world and the enemy of their soul is telling them 
one, well, telling them many things, not just one thing, but many things. Um, and they are trying to figure out who they are with all the voices coming at them. And if they don't learn to value who God says they are, then they're always at risk of their identity being defined by whatever in their life hit them last. So now their career is their identity, except it's not, and it'll break, their, it'll break them. Now their, their education is their identity, but it's not. It's not. And it will, it will deform them. Not that I'm not saying education is bad. I'm saying if you try to make that your identity, what do you do when your life changes? You're constantly thrown into turmoil every time your life changes. Um, so your friends, who your friends are, that's your, now your identity. And uh, if you're cool or a nerd, that's now your identity. And you live this life of torment. It's like you never find peace, and you're torn, and you're, you're burned, and it's, it's like these flames of torment. You're, who am I? Who am I? And now the world is teaching you competitiveness, and if you're going to have anything, you've got to take it. If you're going to go anywhere, you've got to force it. You've got to compete. You've got to be better, and that person's better than that person, and all the money's in the top 1%. You get the idea. And here, these people, they live these lives of existential misery because there is no peace. They don't know who they are. Their identity is always up to the highest bidder or the latest pain or the next goal. Um, their identity is always at risk. And they live with no sense of destiny. They live with sense of competition. If I'm good enough, then I'm loved. If I get the scholarship, then I'm loved. If that right guy or girl likes me, then I'm loved. That is all deception. And when we live that way, and when we raise children to live that way, it is though you are trapped in a cauldron. And you can't get out because you, can't, you, you have no stability of identity, and you have no stability of destiny. The only way you have stability of identity or destiny is when you, those things are founded beyond yourself. And that is where God is, is uh, the blesser uh, in our lives. And that is where we as parents bless our children by continually reminding them of who they are in God and what their destiny is in God. Uh, that doesn't mean we have details, but in promise and in principle, we have destiny in Almighty God. Uh, the world's message is always, uh, if you're good enough, then you have value. Um, and it's a miserable existence. Um, even church people can fall into that. In fact, it's worse than that. Sometimes the church can be the place where competition happens. And if you get the role you wanted, then you have value. Or you get the title you wanted, then you had value. And, and then we, we pretend that is a relationship with God. And uh, we go to meetings or we go to events and we look around, who's the cool kids? And the cool kids don't want to hang out. I grew up in this stuff. Don't, don't talk to me like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the cool kids, they, they don't hang out with these kids. And these kids... Um, because their parents are in the right position, they get used in leadership. And these kids, even if they're more talented, uh, they don't get used because their parents don't have the right swing rate, swing weight of importance. Uh, dearly beloved, this is all carnality. This is all flesh. You and I as parents, you and I as leaders, 
mentoring people in the church. You and I, uh, as uh, church members, uh, showing kindness and affection to young Christians and young people in the church, they have to get from us a clear, a clear gift of identity in Almighty God. Because if you don't get that, you're always up for sale and you end up living a life that feels very, very cheap and probably is. If your destiny is dependent on whether or not you get the right job, whether or not it works out, if you don't have it grounded in something beyond itself, beyond yourself, your identity and your destiny has to be grounded in something beyond yourself. Uh, Otherwise, it's always up for negotiation. And so the first two questions that is that that are answered in the lives of children growing up in Christian homes is identity, who am I? We're going to talk about the seven blessings that the Hebrew father uh, would often pronounce over their children. Um, and we're going to think about ways that we get those same principles uh, working in our heart and in our life because I believe it matters. I want my children to be blessed. You want your children to be blessed. I want to bless my children. I want to bless your children and more. I want to bless young people in our church whose parents aren't in, 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 in God, aren't really in church, I should say. Um, not that they're not good people, but they're not giving their children that spiritual inheritance. Um, they're taking care of them. They're loving them. And I, that I, I'm not speaking against them at all, but I very much want a spiritual inheritance for the young people who are seeking to know God um, in our community of faith. And so uh, we would never undermine any parent and we would never teach any child to dishonor any parent. And uh, I, I don't want that culture in our church whatsoever. Um, they, they, they should feel like they're uh, stronger in their relationship because their kids are in our church. And I believe, I've talked to a a lot of parents and I believe that is uh, to be the case. Um, But I want that for them, even if they're not getting that at home. Um, It's been my experience that parents that aren't spiritual don't need to pretend like they are. Um, And so I'm not in any way trying to cause conflict there. Um, I want them, the young people in our church, to have an inheritance that comes through our pastoral team, through our leaders, through our ministry um, opportunities. Our identity is in Jesus Christ and more. We are able to pronounce blessing upon them and we are able, by so doing, to answer these questions that are foundational to the human experience. Who am I and why am I here? That's enough for now. We'll continue talking about this later on. I love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Lord, bless your people. Bless every parent in our church. Bless every grandparent. Bless every adult who is trying to be a blessing to uh, young Christians, young believers, and even young people uh, in the extended areas of their life. And finally, bless the person who uh, grew up and they never had this shown to them, but now they're striving to serve God and They oftentimes struggle to feel like, how can they give something they never received? In the principles shown in the Word of God, would you help them to see that you will make them whole? You will bind up their their heart and make them whole. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. 
If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.